Hi again, everybody. I'm Dan Horde, and thanks for downloading the Bengals Booth Podcast. The wishing and hoping and thinking and praying edition as the Bengals look to stun the NFL by climbing into a first-place tie with Baltimore after the first seven weeks of the season. Coming up, I'll talk to the person I consider to be the best ever at calling football games on the radio, Kevin Harlan. Kevin, of course, also calls games on TV, and he'll have the Bengals and Ravens this week on CBS. My one-on-one player interview is with rookie Chris Evans, who had a huge game last week in the same stadium where he worked security two years earlier. He'll share that remarkable story. Dave Lapham joins me to discuss the latest Bengals news and share some keys to beating Baltimore. And finally, it's our Know the Foe segment as we discuss Lamar Jackson and the first place Ravens with former Ravens linebacker Brad Jackson. The Bengals Booth Podcast is presented by Ultimate Bengals, the free-to-play next-level fantasy football game. Download it now from the App Store and Google Play. And here's a quick reminder that you can have the latest edition of this podcast delivered right to your phone, tablet, or computer by subscribing wherever you get your podcasts. It's the greatest thing since the kindness of Kevin Harlan. You'll hear my interview with him in just a moment, but first, a quick story. Kevin's been a friend of mine for a few years, and we usually catch up whenever he calls a Bengals game. That was the case back in week three, and I mentioned then that I would love to get him on the podcast the next time he was assigned to call Cincinnati. So when I saw that he was doing this week's game, I emailed him and asked if he had time available on Tuesday. He got right back to me and said, sure. What I didn't realize is that he had just done the NFL game in London and was flying all the way to Los Angeles to call an NBA game later on Tuesday night. He could have easily said, hey, can we do it another time? And I would have completely understood. But despite his globe-trotting schedule, he made time for me. And now, you. You might say that Kevin Harlan has regard for human life. Look it up. Now, here's our conversation. He is my son Sam's favorite broadcaster, and Sam has impeccable taste the two-time National Sportscaster of the Year, Kevin Harlan. Kevin, great to have you on with us. You called the Bengals game in Week 3 when they went to Pittsburgh and beat the Steelers. What impressed you that day, and what's impressed you about Cincinnati so far this year? Always, Dan, a pleasure to join you, and you tell Sam thank you, but he's got he's got uh, the best dad in the world, but thank you for that comment, and I'm anxious to see the Bengals again this weekend. I, I just see him with a different swagger defensively. Certainly, we know the improvements. Burrow, uh, the response he has made to the blown knee and subsequent rehab, Dan, has been a uh, has been one of the most untold stories. As, as well as he's been able to come back and find his paces uh, after what was a great rookie year until it ended so abruptly in November. Um, I'm impressed with everything. It seems like there's just a better link, uh, a communicative way of operating uh, on both sides of the ball that maybe had not quite been there in the last couple years. It just seems like they're really all on the same page. It's reflected, I believe, in their record. And um, it's it's good to see them, I think, have some payoff for what they've put into it with the new staff a couple years ago, uh, the chances on taking a Heisman Trophy winner, but the number one overall pick on, a, on an Ohio kid like um, like Joe Burrow. And then, and then to have 
uh, just, you know, some, some response in this year for Zach and, and what he's trying to build and put his fingerprints on everything. Joe Burrow has now played in 16 NFL games. So he's played a full season, 27 touchdown passes, a passer rating over 95. You've seen him a few times. You called his debut last year at Paul Brown Stadium. What do you find special about Joe Burrow? I like his composure in the pocket. I like his ability to pull the trigger and find the escape hatch. His timing is, is usually right on. Uh, he makes the reads, I think, faster than a lot of second-year quarterbacks. But as you say, he's only really got one full season in his pocket. Um, I think he's commanded the respect of the locker room, and you can see that uh, by the way the team responds to him on the sideline and on the field. Um, I love his demeanor when we get the close-ups through the face mask of a expression that does not change. Um, he always seems to be, and that's what you want, right? I mean, you want a quarterback whose pulse does not quicken and whose pulse is basically the same good player, bad, big completion or, inter or, you know, whatever. And he's, he's got that. He's found that nice space. Now, listen, this kid's going to play many years in the NFL, hopefully all with the Bengals. But if the early returns or anything to gauge on what's ahead. I mean, this is going to be a wonderful story, a paid off number one overall pick and a nice continuation of what he finished at LSU and has started in the NFL. He's, he is a special quarterback and you can see a foundational piece. We are visiting with a great Kevin Harlan. It's Burrow versus Lamar Jackson this Sunday in Baltimore. No player in the NFL has provided more great highlights over the last three-plus years than Lamar Jackson. And if there's a signature play so far, it was probably his 47-yard whirling dervish run at Paul Brown Stadium a couple of years ago. As you famously called it, he is Houdini. You've been doing this for a long time. Have you seen an NFL player more exciting than Lamar Jackson? It's hard to compare. I mean, I know people will, will drift back to Michael Vick. Um, Randall Cunningham, and I hope they're not doing it because they were runners almost first before they threw. I think this kid uh, is different. I do think he is still the single most elusive player at any position right now in the league. I think he has that God-given ability. I think also he's, he's a football junkie. I, I sense, Dan, that he's a kid that loves a lot of time in the film room, extra practice time after it's all over, um, a lot of time in the books, studying the plays, a lot of questions for his coaches. I just think he's not that the other guys weren't. I just think we're in an era of NFL football where the quarterback has got to be so ubiquitous in his feel and touch of all elements of that offense that you can't just be a singular kind of player. You can't be an A or a B. You've got to be like the entire alphabet. And I think he encompasses a lot of that. When he was drafted, it was, oh, you're getting a running quarterback. Can you change him? They thought, you know, people, maybe they, maybe they wouldn't, maybe they couldn't. But clearly he has shown he's got a huge appetite for the entire offense. Greg Roman is the coordinator. You're familiar so much with that Baltimore team and what they do and the quality of the coaching and the organization. You know, they don't leave many stones unturned. Clearly, they had to see something when he was playing at Louisville that, that he could hit this type of target, um, and he has. And I think it's only expanding. As high as I am on Burrow, and I am very big on him, I'm just as, or not more so, on Lamar. I think he, 
has done everything that they've asked him to do and then some, and I don't think that story is near complete. So um, this brings together two of the wonderful young quarterbacks. Isn't it weird in this league? You know, oh, Roethlisberger is going to retire and Rodgers is soon to go and Brady's going to go and Breeze is gone and there goes Manning. And like we lose all these names that are like historic NFL quarterback, high accomplished guys. And now we've got this whole other brand new wave, the Burroughs, the Jacksons, you know, uh, the Murrays, like all these kids are now filling in that supposed void that all these veterans were going to leave. It just goes to show you in this league uh, with great coaching, the right pick in the right system, and then the right makeup of these kids coming out of school. There is every bit as much in that well as it was when the Mannings and the Brady's and the Rogers were all drafted themselves. It, it's wonderful to see. It sure is. We're visiting with Kevin Harlan, who will call Sunday's game on CBS. The Ravens are in first. They're five and one. The Bengals are in second. They're four and two. Cincinnati about a seven point underdog in the game. If the Bengals could pull off the upset, what do you think that would say about where Cincinnati is right now? Huge. I think it would say a lot because there is no team hotter right now than Baltimore and with only a loss. And I did that game in Las Vegas, Dan, on Monday night uh, to begin the season. And it was a weird, you know, confluence of events that they lost. Like, like it, it, they played exceptionally well. No team has had a backfield as devastated. No team has probably lost as many key defensive players in a year's time. They lost Marcus Peters. Um, before that first game out for the year. And then they lost Judon, who was a terrific edge rusher for him to free agency. He went to New England. And those are two pretty big defensive signature players for him. So um, uh, they've come back, losing their backfield. They got, they got kissed with uh, Latavius Murray being out there after his let go by New Orleans. Fits perfectly with their uh, scheme and, and running the ball. Um, so like everything has kind of gone back into place we know they're a winning organization with a with a terrific resilience, certainly by what they've shown. Uh, and I think right now, no team is hotter in the NFL than the Baltimore Ravens. So if the Bengals go in there and can capture a division win, I think it, it, it puts on very firm footing a notice to the entire league. This is a different Cincinnati team, albeit with a young quarterback and maybe overall with the years that Zach has been there kind of a young developing program, but clearly they have hit on all the free agent, for the most part, all the free agent signings, the rebuild is intact, the direction is firm. And, and like I said, I think it sends a very distinct and loud message to the NFL. Final thing for Kevin Harlan. I do a college game on Saturday and the Bengals on Sunday. People think I'm busy. You did an NFL game in London last weekend. You're doing the NBA game tonight. You'll have the Bengals and Ravens on Sunday. How do you do it? <laughs> Just like you do. What do you mean? What are you talking about? I, I follow you. I look at your schedule. Now, how, how is he going to get from that night game to the Bengals the next afternoon? I think about that all the time. Plus, I'm such a fan. So I, I, am, I am in that world following your travels. And boy, you've got two fun teams to call. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's not, it's, it, it looks a lot worse, I think, on, on paper than it really is. You prioritize. I know you do the same thing. You prioritize with what's coming up. You, you, you fill your head with as much as you can before the kickoff or the tip off and you let it rip. And, and I think there, there probably is, is no other, I mean, you, you know, we could, there are only so many hours in the day 
And then the other hours you're sleeping or eating or staying hydrated, which I know both you and I do. So, um, uh, I, you know, it, it's, uh, but listen, you know, I, I think I speak for you, uh, but we're both living the lives we dreamt about living and, and feel so unbelievably lucky and blessed to be in this position to call uh, multiple games um, and, and be in the kind of position we're in. This is what we dreamt of. So if we have understanding homes, and I think we both do, and families, uh, they're letting us kind of live out this, this dream that you and I had both when we were 14 years old. And here we, here we are in our 50s and 60s, and we're still doing it. I don't know if that speaks ill of us or like that they're nuts, but for some, somehow, right, it all works, which uh, we're very thankful for. Couldn't have put it any better myself. This has been a treat. It's always so great to hear your voice. Have a great call tonight in the NBA, and I look forward to seeing you in Baltimore. I'll look for you in the press box, Dan. You know how much I think of you. No one I respect more. Thank you for your time. And uh, I am a big Bengals fan, uh, but maybe a bigger uh, Dan Horde fan. So it's, uh, it's always fun to visit. Thank you. Kevin will do a great job on Sunday, as he always does, but he will truly shine on Monday night when he calls the Seahawks-Saints game on the radio for Westwood One. He is the G-O-A-T at calling football games on the radio. Up next, my one-on-one visit with rookie running back Chris Evans, who had a great game last Sunday in Detroit. And as we later learned, it was the perfect place for him to shine. Chris, anybody that stared at a light bulb knows that it takes a second or two for your eyes to adjust after that happens. That basically happened to you on your touchdown catch last week in Detroit, right? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. It was. I was running, and I went through the lights, and... I was kind of like I kind of seen it come out, but I seen it I seen it go in the lights, but I didn't see it come out, and I just timed it up right. And just hopefully it came down with it. So yeah, <laughs> that's amazing. Did you basically put your hands in the spot that you thought the ball was going to be, and and more or less hope that it would stick? Yeah, I, I kind of like it was kind of like a quick calculation of how like the trajectory of the ball, how fast I was running, and when it'll go through the light because I knew it was gonna go through the light. So I just just put my hands out and just it was a prayer really. I said on the radio that very few running backs in the NFL could have made that catch. Do you juggle? Were you a center fielder as a kid? Is there an explanation for why you have such good hands? I, I grew up playing um, quarterback, and then my as soon as I got transitioned to um, I, my position was receiver. So I was I was receiver all throughout the high school. Um, Michigan, you know what I'm saying, was recruiting me as a receiver slot type of guy. And then when I went to Michigan, they put some weight on me and then wanted me to run, be, play running back. But I always had the, the fundamentals, and I learned the fundamentals of receiver. And I always – I know if you can catch the ball, like you can, you know what I'm saying, it can solve half of your problems, especially being a receiver. You know what I'm saying? So I just did that, took that, and, and, and I use it now to this day. We're chatting with Chris Evans. So on that play, you're out wide to the left. Jalen Reeves Maben, a 230-pound linebacker, gets right up in your grill in press coverage. Do you know right away he's toast? Yeah, I was. Um, <laughs> same thing happened in, um, in, in, uh, at the Miami game when um, the, the linebacker pressed me, and I was just as soon as he pressed me, it was um, we kind of got out in the set, and like there wasn't a play call, but I, I kind of looked at him like, okay, we, we, we might audible to something. You know what I'm saying? This good to this look, and then he gave me the slang go, and I just. Hit him with the one-two and then got out of there. Yeah, <laughs> you certainly hit him with a one-two. We're talking to Chris Evans. You spoke to reporters on Monday, 
and we learned that scoring your first touchdown at Ford Field in Detroit was almost like a Hollywood script. Can you explain the remarkable significance of doing it there? Yeah, definitely. Um, after my 2018 season in Michigan, I, I got suspended, and um, I was I was working uh, a couple jobs, and, and I did some things in the community with some with some um, some athletes, some some younger kids, some eight year olds, and stuff. And um, they um, there was a fundraising opportunity that we could go to Ford Field and help work the work the security and, and raise money for the program. So in 2019, I did that. Got to see one of my teammates play um, Jabril Peppers when it was the Giants versus the the Lions got to see that, and all, I was always like, you know, I'm going to be out there one day, you know what I'm saying? And I just got to get through this stuff, you know what I'm saying? I got to get through the process and stuff like that. So going going to Detroit, I was I was so hyped for the game. I, I walked through, I told one of my teammates, like, man, I can't wait for this game. Like, I just can't wait for it. And um, those eight-year-olds that I was talking about, their parents got a suite at the stadium, and um, I got to score in the opposite end zone to where I was working at uh in 2019, so that that just meant a lot to me. Just so I got to, the kids got to see me score, and they was, you know, what I'm saying they was with me through 2019. So it was kind of, you know, what I'm saying it was good for me, and and happy they got to see that. So in 2019, you're wearing a vest, working security. Two years later, you're scoring a touchdown in an NFL game. Does that seem as amazing to you as it does to me? Yeah, it's. I mean, I always. Uh, it was during that 2019. It was hard to see. It, it was really, really hard to see it, but. I just try to, you know what I'm saying, keep the distractions out and just try to lock in. And just being – I really didn't think about it as much because I didn't want to, you know what I'm saying, like get emotional or nothing. So I just, you know what I'm saying, stayed locked in and just – because, like, who knew I was going to, like, be here at this at this, point, at this point in time. So I'm just blessed with opportunities. So in addition to scoring the touchdown, you made three tackles in special teams and made a heck of a block picking up a blitzing cornerback on a 53-yard pass to Jamar Chase. Was that block – a big deal to you? Yeah, I, I think the the block and the and the couple tackles that I had, I really like. I feel like that meant more to me because the the touchdown. I did, I've been doing that since training camp, so I I don't think that was like a surprise to anybody. But the the block is something that I really like been focusing on, and it's kind of hard to like get that opportunity because you can be out there, but like you know what I'm saying, you might not get this. You know what I'm saying, you might not get an opportunity, so you always got to be ready. So. When I seen that, when I seen him blitz, I was like, listen, I got one shot at this. You know what I'm saying? Because I might not get another shot at this. And if I do, it might not be this. You know what I'm saying? So it's, it's so much stuff going on. So And I knew that, the, you know what I'm saying, the geo role and, and what they're trying to, you know what I'm saying, and form me into, I just, that was a big that was a big play for me just to prove that I could do it. The geo role. So you are wearing the number 25, Giovanni Bernard's old number. And at some point this year, the coaches gave you some clips of him showing off his ability as a blitz pickup guy he was always really good at that what did you learn from watching him uh, he was always at the right place at the right time I, um I mean he's undersized and there was some some bigger he had to block some defensive linemen sometimes and he just and knocked up and just blocked him but most 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 thing I learned about him is it's a mindset you know what I'm saying like you can't just go out there and like halfway do it like if you're gonna do it you got to take pride in it and anything that comes and I think it's really in the preparation you know what I'm saying because I mean we've been Today's Wednesday. We had a day off yesterday. I kind of looked at the Ravens' um, blitzes, and it's like I don't even, like, know where to start, like, how, like, I, and then, you know what I'm saying, and when you're out there, it's a million times faster, and then the guys are Calais Campbell 6'8", and it's, it's like a whole bunch of stuff going on, so it's got to – it's just the preparation, I think. it's The preparation and the mindset is what I learned from him. All right, last thing for Chris Evans. You share a name with the actor who plays Captain America. Do you have a favorite superhero that we should start – thinking about for this Chris Evans? 
Um, I don't know. I don't. I don't necessarily got a favorite superhero, but I got a. You know, I, I like Batman. Um, one thing I like Batman is because he doesn't have a superpower like necessarily like everybody else. So he kind of like is uniquely like getting it out, getting it out the mud. You know what I'm saying? Like, however he got to save the day, he saves the day. But he doesn't have any super speed or does he? He can fly and, and stuff like. No, can he fly? <laughs> Oh, not, not not on his own. Yeah, he needs, yeah. you know, the Batmobile or the other things that uh, help him do yeah, those things. Yeah, yeah, so he just he just making it work, you know what I'm saying, with the tools that he got, and he's saving the day. So that's why. That's, that's Batman for me. All right, well, we're going to flash the bat signal into the Cincinnati sky when we need a big play out of Chris Evans. How's that? Yes, sir. I like it. I like it. Appreciate your time. Congrats on a great game last week. Yes, sir. Appreciate it. The Bengals drafted Chris in the sixth round with a pick they acquired from the Houston Texans in March. They traded Ryan Finley to get that pick. The Bengals Booth Podcast is presented by Ultimate Bengals, the free-to-play fantasy football game. Ultimate Bengals will be awarding a weekly winner during the course of the season with tickets, autographed merchandise, and money-can't-buy experiences all up for grabs. Find Ultimate Bengals in the app stores now. Now time to bring in my broadcast partner, Dave Lapham, to discuss the latest Bengals news and look ahead to Sunday's game in Baltimore. Lapham, I watched Inside the NFL last night, and your pal, Phil Simms, yes. dropped this gem about Joe Burrow. When you watch Joe Burrow, you know what you're watching? You're watching the modern-day Joe Montana. Mm. He's smooth. He's athletic. Even got a little better arm than Joe did. Sorry, Joe. But, it, but he's doing a lot of great things, Joe Burrow is. Before anybody says... How about winning a playoff game first? We all know it's going to be hard for Joe Burrow to match Joe Montana's career achievements, but Phil Simms, a Super Bowl MVP quarterback, says he sees similarities in watching them play. What's your reaction? I can understand totally what he's saying. They're both Joel Cool as well. I mean, they have the same type of demeanor. Joe Montana never changed expression. Joe Burrow never changes expression. The the more crunch time of a game, the lower their heart rate gets. I mean, they have they have a lot of similarities. I think, I think Phil Simms is onto something as he usually is. Plus, you know, he is a great quarterback himself, so he knows what he's looking at there, in terms of um, physical attributes that quarterbacks have and and what what leads to success and that sort of thing. And I I, I can't disagree. And um, you know, you look at it and you say, man, what about the football intelligence? Joe Montana's was way up there. Joe Burrows is way up there as well. I mean, it, there's there's a, a ton of similarities. Now, I just hope that that uh, Zach Taylor and, and Joe Burrow have the same kind of run that Bill Walsh and Joe Montana had. <laughs> that would be nice. Um, like you said, there's there's a lot of extenuating circumstances that surround a quarterback that leads to, you know, his overall success. But raw talent standpoint, intangibles, physical attributes, there's a lot of similarities. I agree with them. Joe Montana cost you a Super Bowl ring as a player. It would be nice if Joe Burrow allowed you to call a Super Bowl title. Absolutely. He lost me a ring and also <laughs> lost me a victory as a, as a broadcaster when they, they lost <laughs> Super Bowl uh, 23 as well to Joe Montana-led uh, uh, excuse me, the San Francisco 49ers. Bill Walsh and Joe Montana have some hardware like to have, that's for sure. <laughs> All right, let's transition to Jamar Chase. In week one, with 35 seconds left in the half, he catches a 50-yard touchdown pass against the Vikings. The Bengals lead by seven at halftime. Week three, a 34-yard touchdown pass with 37 seconds left 
in the half in Pittsburgh. The Bengals lead that game 14-7 at the half. Week 5, 36 seconds left in the half, a 70-yard touchdown pass uh, to pull the Bengals within two against Green Bay last week. 17 seconds left in the half. A 34-yard catch sets up a field goal as the half expires. These are incredibly important plays. What has Jamar Chase meant to this team through six games? I mean, a ton. It really has. I mean, you look at it, you're talking about a trend. I mean, you, you, all, the, all those plays happened in six, in six, his first six games of his NFL career. It just, it, it's remarkable how those guys, um, <laughs> they're, on, they're on the same mental telepathy, you know, and they're on the same wavelength. Some of those plays were designed. Some of those plays, it was like, all right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to come all the way across the football field and create a play, and I, I'm going to run in the same direction as, as Joe Burrow's running, and I'm going to make myself available to him and see if he finds me. And it, it's just amazing what they have going on, and uh, they have complete trust in each other complete faith in each other that they can they can make those kind of plays and they're going to continue to make those kind of plays I think uh, I mean they're they're the biggest reason you, you look at the, the numbers <laughs> two minutes before half uh, five of the six games three touchdowns two field goals that they've scored uh, and it's really Joe Burrow to Jamar Chase the only other team that's done what the Bengals have done at the end of the second quarter and to begin the third quarter the Tampa Bay Buccaneers other teams have been one or the other, Tampa Bay shows up in the top five along with the Bengals in both categories. You start getting compared to Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, that's high cotton. Next topic, Chris Evans. He got significant playing time for the first time last week since Samaj P. Ryan was on the COVID list. Caught a touchdown pass on the opening drive, the Bengals' first opening drive score of the year. He had three special teams tackle. He had a great blitz pickup on the 53-yard pass to Jamar Chase. What do you think that's going to mean to his playing time going forward? Yeah, I think I think there was a lot of motivation for him. You know, playing up in Detroit, there was a lot of personal motivation. I mean, you know, he, he, going back to his collegiate career, what happened to him at Michigan and, you know, things he was doing at that stadium as a result of what happened to him at Michigan as he was working, you know, in, in the security uh, team, trying to raise money for, for a charitable cause. I mean, it, it's, it's just remarkable. So I think... He had a, you know, in his mind, he had a lot on the line personally and individually. Now the key for him is going to be that that was his own like mini Super Bowl. Now he's going to have to say, all right, that's what I'm going to have to. That's the bar that I'm going to have to try to get to every single week. And the coaches are going to be able to count on me for that kind of production on a week by week basis. You know, uh, doing it once is phenomenal, but don't be a one trick pony. Don't do it once. Continue to do it. You know, again and again and again, and that's when you really start to earn the uh, confidence of the coaches and, and they can trust what you're doing. And I think he's got the capability to do it. I, I think he's he's an unbelievable route runner and, and has got ball skills as good as, you know, a lot of wide receivers in the, in the National Football League. And he's shown that uh, he's got the intelligence and the want to to be good in blitz pickup. He's, he's going to be, I think, another – weapon to this offense that already has so many weapons you, you start throwing him in there in the mix as well my goodness man it, it's going to become a snootful to try to defend I think a lot of people scoff when they hear coaches talk about running backs and say hey there's more to it than running the ball they've got to be able to handle the blitz why is that such an important thing in the NFL in particular 
Yeah, I mean, that's where you can get your quarterbacks in a lot of trouble, you know, with free runners and unnecessary hits and open up a new can of quarterbacks. And, you know, I've seen, I've seen many times where, you know, young uh, running backs will go the wrong way, the exact opposite of what they should be doing. Uh, they just totally, you know, in their mind invert it and, and, and have those kind of issues. And you get guys that are just bearing down on the quarterback. And, and, and the quarterback initially thinks that it's going to get taken care of. So now it's like if if there's a reaction at all, it's a very late reaction. It's like oh man, that was a that was a brain cramp there, but there's nothing I can do about it now. So um, if if that quarterbacks and coaches get queasy <laughs> when when those kind of things happen, so he has shown that he understands it, understands uh, all the concepts that go along with why he's doing what he's doing in blitz pickup, and he's and he's able to execute it physically. So uh, these. That, that was the final component. I think now that they feel comfortable that he can execute that part of things, I think the sky's going to be the limit for him. Let's turn to the Bengals' defense. Fifth in the NFL in points allowed, number two in yards allowed per play. However, they have not faced a prolific offense yet. Even the Packers are 15th in scoring 23rds in yards so far this year. The Steelers, Jags, Lions, and Bears are all in the bottom 10 in scoring. Is the Bengals' defense really good or have they feasted on offenses that aren't? Yeah, they're going to see much better offenses than they've seen. There's no question about it, and that's uh, including this this upcoming opponent. Um, I, I think schematically that uh, Greg Roman has done a phenomenal job building an offense around the talents that Lamar Jackson has. Instead of, instead of going the other way, trying to you know cram him into a pro-style offense that particularly early in his uh, career – when he came from college to the National Football League, it might have been very, very difficult for him. He's basically said, all right, I, I know what his major attributes are with his skill set, and I'm going to build and create around that. And I think he did him an enormous favor. And I, it, it goes, I mean, Bashadi, the owner, uh, needs needs to take some credit. You know, Ozzie Newsom, the, the general manager, uh, at the time when he was – he was drafted. Ozzy said, "You know, this is this is the last pick of the draft. I gotta, I gotta jump on this guy. I mean, this guy's this guy's too good." Eric DaCosta has been involved in the thing. John Harbaugh, Greg Roman. I mean, the entire organization made a commitment to building an offense around Lamar Jackson, and has paid huge dividends. I mean, this offense has got a lot going on. I mean, they are as creative in the running game in terms of personnel formations, motion, window dressing. They can do a lot of things. I mean, they can run the option. They can run a power running game. And then not to mention when he's thrown the football and he's better throwing the football than people think, and he has gotten better every single year, when he gets out and extends and creates, I mean, you know, you have to defend the first play. And then there's a second play a lot of times that you have to defend because it's Lamar Jackson doing what he's doing and the magic that he's spinning out there. So puts a lot of pressure on a defense, and this will be – the biggest challenge the Bengals have had defensively in terms of, um, you know, trust your eyes, um, make sure that you're where you're supposed to be, when you're supposed to be there, and have confidence doing it because hesitancy is the worst thing. If you're, like, stuck in your mind between a rock and a hard place, should I do this or should I do that, and you don't do anything, you're killing the football team. You have to make a decision, be confident it's the right decision, and go 100,000 miles an hour in so doing. We got some roster news on Wednesday as second-year offensive lineman Hakeem Adeniji was cleared to practice. 
He tore pectoral muscle during OTAs. I thought he was out for the year. Maybe he's not. Can he help? I think he can. I think that, uh, you know, it is uh, the beginning of the evaluation process for him because, like Zach Taylor was saying uh, this week, you know, he hasn't even put pads on yet. He did it in training, as you mentioned, in the offseason toward the pectoral. So he hasn't really had any uh, live activity on the practice field with Frank Pollock with his new techniques and everything else. Now, he has been very diligent, you know, as a – as a student of that mentally doing that kind of thing. I mean, he's been all over it. I, I, I was standing right next to him at training camp. Uh, a lot of the a lot of the practices, the Frank was out there at the offensive line, and he was, he was soaking it all in. So I, and, he, and he's a pretty intelligent kid, so I don't think that's going to be a huge issue, but it's just going to be back to, you know, n- now you have to get them. Those guys, think of all the reps they've had, Dan, muscle memory-wise. I mean, thousands of reps all through training camp. Now six games going into the seventh, you know, game of the season. The footwork and the hand place and all that is like automatic second nature. With him, it's not quite yet. Mm-hmm. So he's he's got some catching up to do, you know, in that regard. But he's a talented kid. I mean, I, he's got some sweet feet now. I think he's got as good a feet as any offensive lineman they've got on the football team. It's going to be interesting to see how quickly he can progress and how far he can progress. So it's the Bengals and Ravens this week. Baltimore is the only 5-1 and one team in the AFC. There are four in the NFC, plus the Cardinals, who are 6-0. and oh, But Baltimore is the only 5-1 and one team in the AFC. Having said that, they could be, maybe even should be, 3-3. Three and three. They kicked a 66-yard field goal at the gun to beat the Lions in Detroit two weeks ago. If Colts kicker Rodrigo Blankenship didn't hurt his hip during the pregame warm-ups, there's probably no way they come back from a 16-point deficit in the second half. So I guess the question is, how good is Baltimore, and, and what do the Bengals need to do to have a shot this week? Yeah, that's that's the the big question. How, how good is, is Baltimore? You know, they're good enough to win the win those football games in some way, shape, or form. I, I think they have, you know, immense confidence uh, in, in themselves. They should. I mean, they're, they're organizationally, they're as, uh, they're as strong as anybody in the National Football League. And bottom line is they have a quarterback that's 35-8 and eight in his f- first 43 starts. And you can, you know, evaluate and grade all the things you want to grade. The bottom line is scoring points and winning football games, you know, and scoring more points than the opposition. And he's done that, uh, you know, better than anybody. Since the merger, the 70 merger, uh, 35 wins before the age of 35. He's the only one to do 25. it. 25. Before, before the, the age, age of 25. Excuse me, before the age of 25. 35 wins before the age of 25. The only one to do it, Dan Marino's next with 34. But he has won at a very, very high rate. So I think, you know, they've got they've got immense confidence that no matter what the situation, whatever the circumstance, they're going to win the football game, including a 66-yard field goal by the greatest kicker ever playing in the National Football League, in my opinion, Justin Tucker. When things like that happen, you know, you say, wow. You know, maybe we're destined. Maybe this is uh, this is our year. Maybe we are in in for something uh, special. But as a as a team that's watching it, as an opponent, you say they're not invincible. You know, they have to they have to pull rabbits out of the hat to win football games. You know, that's not, we can beat these guys. We we need to go out there and what the what the Bengals need to do, Dan, is uh, is <laughs> most specifically than anything in this matchup is win the turnover battle. You know, as we know, it's been it's been crazy. Uh, and when the Bengals win the turnover battle in this matchup against the Ravens, they're fourteen and three. 
When they don't, when they don't, they're two and twenty. So that's the reverse. When Bal- when Baltimore wins the uh, turnover battle, they're twenty and two. When they lose it, they're three and fourteen. And then the Bengals, when it's even, Steven, the Bengals have an edge seven seven four. So, bottom line is, you don't want to be negative. You want to be even or plus in the turnover ratio, uh, first and foremost against these Baltimore Ravens. And and uh, and then you know, things like. They're, on both sides of the football, they're going to do something they haven't done all season long. So you have to know your rules, and you have to be able to apply your rules. The great Paul Brown, when he was coaching, I can vividly remember him saying, men, we've got a few rules here that we know are going to be able to apply to a myriad of different things that are going to happen to you out in the football field. And that's the key with this Baltimore Raven deal because they have all these different personnel groups and formations and window dress and motion, everything offensively. Defensively, they all different kinds of personnel packages and, and blitz packages and everything that goes along with it, and they blitz like 45% of the time. They've led the National Football League in blitz percentage the last three years, and right now I think they're in the top four in terms of blitzing. So, you know, they're no, you know they're going to come from everywhere. So I think it, if the coaches can come up with s- some sort of a game plan that has rules in it that say, all right, no matter what they do, we've got a core bunch of plays we can go to. When it starts to hit the fan, we can just say, we're going to one of these guys, and we have all these rules that apply to everything, particularly on the road. When it's loud, everybody's losing their mind. You know, if you've got got a handful of, of plays that no matter what the circumstance they line up in, you can go execute and feel confident that at least you can, you know, hang in there. That's, I think, a big key in this football game. And, and, and they have to, uh, you know, they have to be able to find, I think, that kind of formula. Um, you know, no, no turnovers, minimize penalties, minimize explosives, you know, all the, all the things you have to do. You can't let Lamar Jackson run all over the place. I mean, the last time these two teams played, the Ravens only got 404 yards rushing. <laughs> I mean, my goodness, you know, four football fields on the ground. That's, 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 I don't know, high school, college mismatch stuff. That doesn't happen in the National Football League, and it's not going to happen this week. Uh, I think, you know, it's going to be, I think it's going to be a, a really good football game. I think it'll probably come down to the gun. I think it'll be a one-score game, and I think it's going to be one of those, one of those type of slugfests that, uh, that you see in this division. When C.J. Uzama was asked about handling Baltimore's blitzing, he said, I feel good about it because we have the smartest guy on the field, obviously referring to Joe Burrow. But last year, when Joe Burrow faced the Ravens' defense for the one and only time, he wasn't around for game two last year, that was the shakiest he's ever looked in an NFL game. How much does it help to have seen it once? I think it helps. He gets sacked seven times. He got hit 15 times. But if I'm an offensive lineman that played in that game, I am personally apologizing to Joe Burrow for, for such a terrible performance because they just miscommunicated. There were more free runners in that game than, than, than there was in the Boston Marathon. I mean, it's like <laughs> they were everywhere. <laughs> I mean, they were, it, it, it was incredible. So they, tighten that part of it up. And, and that's where, I mean, the communication, and the, first of all, on both sides of the football, recognition of what the hell they're doing to you and being able to communicate it up and down the line of scrimmage to each other and between position group levels defensively, that's going to be huge in this football game. 
And the biggest challenge is going to be offensively because of the crowd noise. They'll be quiet when the Ravens have the football. Defensively, they'll be able to communicate a hell of a lot easier than they'll be able to communicate offensively. But recognition of what they're doing and be able to pass it along and communicate it out is going to be is going to be huge because that was that was the biggest problem in in uh, in that football game for Joe Burrow is he was ducking and dodging, bobbing and weaving. People were all over him, um, and then you know turn the football over as a result of it. So it, it, it starts up front like it always does, and, and I think if, uh, if that group plays as one, five, five components playing as one, like making that fist that we talk about, I think they'll be off to a good start because I trust that if you give Joe Burrow an opportunity, he will capitalize. If you don't give him an opportunity, he's not Superman. He's not superhuman. I mean, he can only, he can only uh, do so much. Um, it doesn't take much chicken poo to wreck the chicken salad, you know. <laughs> and there was a lot of chicken poo in the early stages of that football game last year. <laughs> That's a good segue to the final thing I have for you today. This is something I've never shared with you before. I hate tuna fish. <laughs> the smell of tuna fish makes me gag. And you've befriended people that sit right in front of our broadcast location oh, in Baltimore yeah. that inevitably turn around and hand you tuna fish sandwiches. Can you tell them this year you like roast beef, you like turkey, you like peanut butter and jelly, anything but the dreaded tuna fish sandwich? Oh, that, that group of people, they're just incredible. Man, they're huge. They're huge fans. Got to be good buddies with them over the years. Been there a lot now. Been in Baltimore a lot uh, every single year. Yeah, I, I guess... I don't know. Can you handle a crab cake? Absolutely. <laughs> All right. Well, maybe we'll just say, hey, you know, Baltimore. Hey, Baltimore's not known for tuna, guys. How about, how about a crab leg or a crab cake? Huh? What do you think about that? Uh, I will bear that in mind, though, and I will not open that tuna fish sandwich <laughs> if they throw one up there. And I will respect my partner and, and, uh, and not, not have you feeling queasy before the game. You're a good man. It's never been disputed. Thank you. Yes, sir. Let's take a closer look at this week's opponent. Lamar Jackson has started five games against the Bengals and won all five. The first two were close as Baltimore won by three and six points. The last three have not been close. The final scores have been 49-13, 27-3, and 38-3. This year, the Ravens are 5-1, and one, but could be, maybe even should be, 3-3. Three and three. Former Ravens and UC Bearcats linebacker Brad Jackson joined Lap and me on the Bengals Game Plan Show, and I asked him just how good he thinks this year's Ravens are. Well, the record is, as you guys know, it is what it is. You know, you'd rather be 5-1 and one than 3-3 three and three or 1-5. and five. We all know how that goes. Um, but right now, they're still figuring things out on defense. Wink Martindale, obviously, who grew up in Dayton, went to Defiance and was a Bearcat coach of mine. Uh, when I played at the University of Cincinnati, is our great defensive coordinator here, at least for one more year, because uh, he'll he'll probably be a head coach in the National Football League in the next year or so. Um, but the defense has kind of been struggling. There's no, you know, other than versus the run, where they're third against the league, against the pass, which is probably going to be something that could be an advantage for the Bengals and Joe Burrow. Uh, you know, them being 25th in in the league in pass defense has been kind of something that, you know, has people scratching their heads, um, you know, here in Baltimore. But, you know, they stayed aggressive. You have, you know, what, 14 sacks by nine different players. Three of those players with sacks are, are defensive backs. So, you know, Wink is going to draw up, you know, crazy, exotic, Rex Ryan-type 
of schemes that come at uh, Joe Burrow, who I, you know, Marlon Humphrey said today, I don't know if you guys had a chance to hear it, but he gave a, he gave a lot of praise to Joe Burrow for watching the film to see that he is a tough guy, a guy that will stand in there and has actually improved uh, from last year to this year in his reads and his throws. So a lot of compliments out of Baltimore. And, and even Lamar Jackson said today out here that, you know, this is not a game that they can take the Bengals lightly, you know, maybe in the past because obviously the last, you know, three games I think it's been outscored 114 to 19. So, you know, going into the bye week, Coach Harbaugh, uh, and and obviously the players are buying into that, you know, the Bengals are something to be reckoned with, obviously, because the immense amount of talent that they have, uh, you know, on, on the offensive side of the ball and the fact that, you know, the defense has played pretty well being fifth. I think you guys are fifth or sixth in the league right now, which, you know, here we are in Baltimore, the defense is stalwart, so we're sitting around at 18. So, um, you know, a lot of football left to be played, but those are that's the nutshell of what's going on. The offense is special. Uh, the defense is co- trying to come along, and obviously, you already talked about Justin Tucker, you know, the all-world kicker uh, that that has won uh, the Ravens a few games with some, you know, NFL record uh, type of kicks, you know, that he had in Detroit. I think one of the the interesting mix as you're getting ready to play the Baltimore Ravens, you know, you have to come out and be physical because the Ravens are that's that's their mentality. They're going to hit you in the mouth. But then you have to have your mind right because Greg Roman gives you so many different personnel groupings, formations, motion, window dressing. And then defensively, Don Wink Martindale gives you all these different looks, pressure packages. I mean, you have to be on your game mentally. And it's like, man, if you're not, if you're not up to snuff mentally, you're in trouble. If you're not up to snuff physically, you're in trouble. Some weeks, you're only, you only have to re- really focus in one area. But when you play the Ravens, you have to be right mentally, physically, emotionally. Every way there is, you're going to have to be right to go up against that football team. Yeah, and, and those are great points, Lap. I mean, you know, the, and, and what you're talking about is what we all know is the, the toughest division in football, you know, for years, and that's the AFC North, you know. I mean, you're talking about you have to have those same type of, you know, principles, discipline, toughness, being physical, you know, uh, you know, making sure that you're handling your business and doing your job. You have to do that versus Pittsburgh, you know, versus, you know, Cleveland is now coming along, you know, especially on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, you guys down there, you know, in the Queen City, the Bengals, you know, now they're not just like, okay, we can just roll out of bed and, you know, let's just take care of business. They'll, sh- they'll fold by halftime. You know, now you have to play the entire four quarters. And, and it comes down to me, guys, I think the, the key of this, and I know talking with Wink Martindale, is going to be the turnover battle. Uh, so, you know, when you dive into the numbers, uh, I went back and looked at it all the time. I'm sure you guys, because you guys are well-versed in and your profession as well, you know, have already done so. But it's one of the things that the team that wins the turnover battle, so going off of what Lap says, you have to be physical, you have to be disciplined, but it also comes down to who can take care of the football. We know it sounds cliche, you know, got to score more, don't turn the football over, win third down. But in this case of with these two teams, the, the Bengals and the Ravens, 39 all-time games going back to 1995. Obviously, the Ravens came in Baltimore in 96. The, whoever wins it is 34-5. and five. So when the Bengals win the turnover battle, they're 14-3. and three, And when the Ravens win it, they're 20-2. and two. Conversely, yep. this was the one that kind of shook, you know, snuck out to me when I was 
talking with Chris Hewitt, you know, former Bearcat teammate, and obviously our passing game coordinator here, you know, in Baltimore under Wink Martindale. The Bengals are actually 7-4 and four when the turnover battle is tied. So now you look at the turnovers this year, both teams are sitting here, you know, at minus two. So all that being said, Lamar having a couple great games against Denver and obviously what he did against Indianapolis coming back for overtime was special, you know, but you're looking at a, a young man that has turned the football over, and that's one of the keys with five interceptions. Yeah, he had two last week versus the Chargers, but he's also had five fumble and lost three. So that's eight turnovers. Uh, that Lamar has had himself to go along with 16 sacks. So every game this season, six of them so far, that there's only been one game that he hasn't been sacked at least twice. So when you pull all that together, physical, being tough, doing your job, you also have to really, really take care of the ball on Sunday. And unfortunately, the turnover battle, especially in this case, pretty much is going to determine the outcome. Now we know there's the, you know, the, the, the three, you know, the Ravens won against the Bengals and the two that the Bengals won, you know. But when you look at it, you have to take care of the ball. So you have to be physically tough. You have to do those things because you know it's going to be 60-minute dogfight. And you have to make sure that, especially right now for the Ravens, because the team goes on their bye week next week. And you guys know that can – kind of be a track game where you're already looking about thinking getting out of town, going away for a week or so, getting on vac- you know, getting on the beach somewhere, let the mind and the body recover. So you can come in here and be a little loose with the football, maybe drop a couple key pick catches on third down, you know, DB maybe bit a little short in his coverage, you know, taking a look away and all of a sudden that can be the difference between winning and losing a football game and having a good bye week or a sour bye week, you know, and conversely for you guys out there, it'd be a huge win in the division and the maturation process of the young Bengals team with Joe Burrow, you know, obviously an up-and-coming quarterback and who I feel will be, you know, a, a star and a big-time winner in this league. Our guest is former Ravens and UC Bearcats linebacker Brad Jackson, a member of the UC Athletic Hall of Fame. Let's talk just a moment about Lamar, Lamar Jackson, the MVP of the NFL a couple of years ago. So far this year, he's ninth in passing yards per game, 281. He's seventh in the NFL in rushing with 392 yards. When teams have success, for lack of a better word, against Lamar Jackson, what do they do defensively that works? Well, the the thing that works best is obviously you have to have your pass rushers be able to get upfield, but not go past the quarterback. You know, you can't go rush after him, even if it's a passing situation, because, you know, Lamar has the ability to break down defenses. Secondaries have the ability. They don't have the ability to cover that long. Uh, and then he's got a great, you know, uh, he's synchronized very well in a great relationship with it. Well, I like to call his two blankets, you know what I'm saying? We're about to be on Halloween and, you know, the great pumpkin and, and all that type of stuff. And, you know, thinking uh, when you look at it, Marquise Brown, 32 catches, 486, 81 a game, 15, you know, per catch. Mark Andrews, 34, 468, actually leads the team in reception at 78 yards. So of the 131 completions that Lamar has thrown, 66 guys have gone to these two players. So, what do you have to do? You have to eliminate Mark Andrews because he's a huge weapon, you know, and, and a comfort and a, and a blanket almost like Linus had, you know, uh, with the Charlie Brown crew, that that's his safety net. That's his safety blanket. Um, and then Marquise makes big plays later, you know, down the field, 
Um, not as many as the Ravens will want. But if you can keep Lamar, have defensive ends rush up field, keep him in the phone booth, as we like to say, because as soon as you let Superman out the phone booth, he becomes Superman. But if you can keep him in the phone booth, he's just Clark Kent. That doesn't mean he's still not an MVP and a special player, but it makes it extremely difficult. And now he's throwing from different angles, not able to set his feet. Hence is why, you know, a lot of teams have been able to get their hands on a lot of footballs. And, and as I just alluded to, you know, five interceptions and six, you know, six games, you know, two versus Kansas City the second week of the season, uh, and then two last week versus the Chargers because they did a pretty good job of keeping him in the box and, and then almost taking away the tight end until later on in the game. Final question, and appreciate your, uh, your time as always. You're the best. Special teams, let's hit that all-important third phase. Chris Horton does a great job. Darren Simmons does a great job with the Bengals. The, the Ravens special teams, number one in the NFL, returning punts. Number two in the NFL, covering kickoffs. Number three in the NFL, returning kickoffs. They have the best kicker in the history of the National Football League, and Justin Tucker got one of the greatest punters of all time in Sam Cooke. Special teams, have they been dominant this year in terms of establishing field position? Yeah, and that was going to be my third point. You read my mind, Dave, you know, when you're talking about what could be the difference in this game. Well, one, we talked to me personally, I think it's turnovers, you know, and then the other part is going to be the kicking game. You know, you have to be physical offensively. You have to be physical defensively. You have to win third down on both sides of the ball. But it comes down to special teams. Devin Duvernay, the wide receiver, has done a fabulous job, like you said, 16.6, and 16. almost 17 yards per punt return. Uh, this year, he has a longer 42. You look at what he's been able to do on kickoffs. We know they're not the same because of the, you know the new rule. They moving the ball up, but he's still averaging 26 every time he takes it out. Uh, and most of those have been where he's catching it on the on the three to five yard line where the kicker mishit it. So he's still been able to get that to the 30 plus yard line. And, and of course, Justin Tucker. What more can you say? Three for three on 50 plus. You know the the kid has ice and water in his veins. He's been like that since he got here, an undrafted guy. So that's the funny thing where you're looking like, how did 31 other teams miss on on this young man? But you got to give credit to, you know, former, you know, Bearcat coach and obviously our former secondary coach, Jerry Rosberg, who has since retired. And then John Harbaugh, you know, his background in the league for a long time was being a special teams coach with the Philadelphia Eagles. So it takes great pride for him. You know, obviously he's still helping out and doing a lot of things, but, you know, that still is his baby as far as making sure that Sam Cook, who's averaging 47, and Justin Tucker, those guys, as we call them out here, the Wolfpack, uh, you know, those guys do a fabulous job of snapping, holding, kicking, and making sure that, that they take care of situational football by not out-kicking the coverage on the punt, by making sure that they're getting inside the 20. And then Justin Tucker just does Justin Tucker things, you know, 13 or 14, um, you know, and then, of course, as you said, NFL record, probably the greatest kicker in the history of the National Football League. So the units are all working in unison. There's a lot of young guys, you know, on this team that are willing to play special teams because that's their opportunity to get on the field. And it's kind of like if you do good on special teams, you know, then you're going to get opportunities on defense, which was similar to what we had, you know, doing our great runs of great defense and great special teams, you know, in 99, 2000, 2001. There was, there was a lot of similarities of, of young players that, you know, if you did good on special teams, you were going to get an opportunity to dress it and obviously be in certain packages defensively, you know, especially uh, on Sundays. And so the guys are taking great pride in that. Our thanks to Brad Jackson. And here's a quick reminder to join Lap and Wayne Box Miller for the Bengals Pep Rally Show this Friday from 3 to 6 
on ESPN 1530. That's going to do it for this episode of the Bengals Booth Podcast, brought to you by Ultimate Bengals, the free-to-play, next-level fantasy football game. Download it now from the App Store and Google Play. If you haven't done so already, please subscribe to this podcast, and if you have a minute, give it a rating or share a comment. That helps more Bengals fans find us. I'm Dan Horde, and thank you for listening to the Bengals Booth Podcast.